2: And you're on Friday's edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. On the Mojo Five Zero radio network. Bringing you the news behind the news. The story behind the story. Hoping to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at. And illusion is usually king. We're live on iHeartRadio. On demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or you can shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. Or call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, Bill Barr appeared on Fox News. With Sean Hannity last night, and that was a big get for Sean. Unfortunately, he spent, I would guess, a majority of the time during the bar interview, um, formulating these long-winded questions instead of maximizing the information that we were able to get from Bill Barr. But Bill Barr did drop a uh, a little uh, mini <laughs> a mini bomb last night. That's got the talking heads at CNN and MSNBC melting down. Uh, He said that uh, John Durham is in fact going to um, have some announcement sometime today. As of this airtime, he has still not made that announcement. It's kind of unusual that somebody uh, would release something on a Friday afternoon. If they wanted it to get a lot of news coverage, normally Friday afternoon is when crisis managers want to roll out announcements so that they can be, Ignored as people go on their weekend and uh, relax on a Saturday. And uh, here's this clip from Barr making this announcement with regard to what Barr is now referring to as Russiagate.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I made clear, I'm going to call them as I see them, and that's why I came in. I thought I'm in. I think I'm in a position to do that. There are two different things going on, Sean. One, I've said that the American people need to know what actually happened. We need to get the, the story of what happened in 2016 and 17 now out. That will be done. The second uh, aspect of this is if people cross the line, if people involved in that activity violated the criminal law, they will be charged. And, and uh, John Durham uh, is an independent man highly experienced and his investigation is pursuing a pace there was some delay because of covid but i'm satisfied with the progress and i've said there are going to be developments significant developments before the election but we're not doing this on the election schedule we're aware of the election we're not going to do anything uh, inappropriate uh before the election but we're not being dictated to by this schedule what's dictating the timing of this are developments in the case and there will be developments is tomorrow uh, there will be a development in the case uh you know it's not an earth-shattering development but it-
2: not an earth-shattering development but he's going to tease where the durham investigation is heading <laughs> you know listen to bill barr you can't help but wish that we had more leaders that were as articulate and uh sort of uh level-headed as bill barr is as I say, as of time of this airing, they have still not released this uh, this mini bombshell. I don't know if it's going to make any difference what um, Durham finds, unless he does issue some indictments prior to the election. the The Democrats have already salted the ground to ignore any of Durham's findings. They're they're back to pretending that the Spying by the Obama administration didn't never happen. You remember early in the Trump presidency, he, after learning from, from, um, Devin Nunes that the Obama administration had been spying on his campaign, the media went on a two week public relations, uh, jihad that it never happened that Donald Trump was just spinning conspiracy theories and how dare he suggest such a thing. Of course, Uh, Devin Nunes' warning has been proven out. All of the lies that Adam Schiff and all of the other Democrats engaged in have been discredited. But that doesn't stop uh, CNN and MSNBC and the network news shows from pretending it never happened. Here's Jim Acosta just, um, I guess this was night before last, on CNN continuing the stick-your-head-in-the-sand tactic. Uh, And the president also uh, was slamming uh, President Obama, uh, Vice President Biden, accusing them of spying on the Trump campaign.
4: That is just not true. That did not happen.
2: It just did not happen. It didn't happen. The IG report was wrong. The evidence that Richard Grinnell declassified and made public, all of that means nothing. It didn't happen. didn't happen. So... You know, I don't know if the independents are going to be listening. This level of corruption, one administration using the law enforcement and intelligence agencies to spy on the opposing political party's campaign, that's third world stuff. That's the things that, uh, that great democracies fall from. The other thing, one of the other things that great democracies fall from is when people lose faith in their elections. And uh, the Democrats are feverishly busy engineering their cheat-by-mail schemes, and those are really going to come home to roost in the swing states of the upper Midwest, where the Democrats were successful in capturing the governor's office, of course, referring to Michigan and Wisconsin. And uh, without those states, Donald Trump is going to have a very difficult time winning this election if... The same patterns that we saw in 2016 hold up they're going to blanket their states with uh with ballots that nobody requested they're just going to send them to everybody's last known address on the registration rolls bill barr touched
3: on that uh, last night as well yes i think it is grossly irresponsible to be doing what the democratic party is doing now we've had very close races in recent history the country is divided if anything we should be assuring the integrity of our elections so that government going forward will be legitimate and will be accepted as legitimate the idea of conducting uh, elections by wholesale mail-in ballots is reckless and wrong uh... everyone knows what has happened in these cases we're not talking about uh, voters going requesting a, bar- a ballot specifically saying who they are proving who they are and then submitting a ballot by mail we're talking about mail outs to everyone on the voting list and every experience with, with that has had thousands and thousands of ballots floating around not just the state but the country i have friends who haven't lived in california in twenty one years who receive ballots uh there are ballots left in boxes in apartment buildings uh ballots so the democrats are
2: definitely going to engineer the same vote harvesting schemes that they employed in orange county in 2018 there's over 200 million registered voters on the rolls in the 50 states across this country the u.s census tells us by contrast there's only 160 million actual eligible voters so uh, Well, not eligible voters, but uh, actual voters uh, who, you know, are are registered. So that's a disparity of 40 million votes. The difference of 40 million votes is is way more than enough to swing this election, obviously. But they're going to mail them out. They're going to accept them. There will be no safeguards. There will be no signature uh, comparisons. They're just going to find out where the greatest vulnerabilities lie as a result of this ballot harvesting. And they're going to send in their swarms of attorneys to drag this out. And the Democrats are preparing for this. Recently, um, they put together what they call war games for the election. And uh, they had... They say that it was a combination of 80 Democrats and Republicans. If you look at the, the people that took part in this, the Democrats that took part in it are far-left activists, and the Republicans that they invited, including Bill Kristol and many other never-Trumpers, uh, were there for one reason and one reason only, to figure out a way to turn Donald Trump out of the White House. In one scenario, John Podesta... And, of course, you know that he was the chair of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and, uh, and brother of Tony Podesta, who got away with exactly the same things that they charged and jailed Paul Manafort for. But uh, Podesta was playing Joe Biden. And when he lost the Electoral College but won the popular vote, the same as Hillary Clinton and uh, and Al Gore, did he refused to concede the result was the threat of succession by California Washington and Oregon they call themselves the transition integrity project and these scenarios uh, that they uh, that they're fomenting a civil war if Donald Trump doesn't agree to leave the White House a narrow electoral a uh, win, and a, uh, a a loss in the popular vote, is exactly what happened in 2016. I I shouldn't say it was a narrow electoral college win because he won it by a substantial number of votes, but or a s- substantial number of electoral votes. But when you look at the actual number of votes that generated that electoral college win. It was only about eighty thousand. So in that scenario, John Podesta alleged voter suppression. <laughs> voter suppression. You notice they they constantly make these accusations of voter suppression. They never give any examples of it. And when you point out that what they're actually doing is voter fraud, they deny that there is any evidence of that, despite the fact that there is a mountain of evidence. So California, Oregon, and Washington threaten to secede from the United States. John Podesta refuses to accept the results of the election. And we embark on a civil war. And that's where the transition, uh, maybe I shouldn't call it a civil war. Maybe I should re- uh, call it a, a constitutional crisis. But there were many um, of these never-Trump military personnel that participated in this. And I think they are setting it up for some sort of uh, confrontation that could most definitely result in a civil war. We're going to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question.
2: Well, I've got a little bit of good news out of Atlanta, my old hometown. uh, Paul Howard, the district attorney in Fulton County, which encompasses uh, the vast majority of Atlanta, went down and went down hard in yesterday's primary uh, runoff between him and uh, and Fannie Willis. (laughs) It's F-A-N-I. They're pronouncing it Fannie, but it's it's Fannie Willis. I guess it's sort of a Kamala Harris situation. We're not allowed to mispronounce her name. She, uh, she ran, uh, she won in a romp against Paul Howard. He'd been in office, I think 21 years. He has been a disaster for law and order in Fulton County, uh, refusing to prosecute a large number of, uh, felons that Atlanta police had arrested. And, uh, and now I'm trying to find out what they expect from Fonnie Willis, and whether or not she's going to pursue these bogus charges that Paul Howard made against uh, Garrett Roth for having the <laughs> the nerve to defend himself against a fleeing felon who was firing upon him with a uh, a, a taser, a taser gun, which is in Georgia considered a lethal weapon. And, uh, you know, what I worry about is whether or not Fonnie Willis is another one of these... Soros district attorneys, I, I kind of doubt it. She did get the endorsement of the International Brotherhood of Police Officers in Atlanta. Um, you know, they are so sick of Paul Howard, both because of his, you know, persecution of Garrett Rolfe and because of his history that uh, they probably would have endorsed anybody at that point. Fannie Willis is not going to face any general election challenge, which is a damn shame because at this point, I think a Republican would have a very good chance of, uh, of taking over that office if they bothered to contest the election. But Paul Howard was, uh, enmeshed in, a, a, a scandal where he, he took $140,000 that had been given to his office by Atlanta to enhance prosecutions and uh, and converted it to his own use. Here's a clip of Fonny Ross before the election detailing what happened there.
4: I think it's a a classic fight. Um,
0: And I think that citizens will have to make a choice. We have a district attorney now that works for his own self-interest. Uh, seems to care about the things that
1: benefit him
2: and not the community. Former prosecutor Fonnie Willis says Paul Howard took for himself tens of thousands of dollars that former Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed transferred to a nonprofit designed to help fight crime in underserved communities. Howard told 11 Alive News it was always intended for his personal bank account.
0: I met with the mayor asking them for a salary supplement from the city of Atlanta. What I did it's what Americans do all the time. We
3: ask for pay raises.
2: <laughs> so Paul Howard has been busted, busted outright. There is no damn way that they gave that money to a nonprofit so that Paul Howard could take it and put it in his pocket. And now that Bonnie has won the election, Paul Howard wants her to uh, to forget about all that. Let bygones be bygones, and uh, and just ignore it.
0: Politics is a contact sport, and uh, if you run for office, you, you got to realize that um, that uh, things happen that way. So, I'm hoping that um, you know now that uh, Miss Willis has the job, that she'll forget about that stuff and just get to the business of continuing to keep our county safe and i I think she'll do that and let me tell you
2: (laughs) i want her to just forget about all that scandal stuff and and uh, go back to keeping our county safe you know there's no doubt in my mind that a large number of those votes that pushed uh fonnie willis uh, to this big victory over paul howard came from republicans in fulton county the county is about evenly divided fulton county has had republican commission chairs before um but again you know i wonder how connected fonnie willis is to this uh this movement where soros and these interlocking network of shady non-profits that elect these these marxist prosecutors whether or not she is one of those um, will uh we'll Keep a watch on that and let you know what I find out. Kamala Harris likes to refer to the riots that are going on in the street as a, a, uh, a coalition of conscience that has developed. Well, last night in Portland, Oregon, uh, that coalition of conscience has resulted in the Oregon State Police now withdrawing from their protection of the federal courthouse. You know, the uh, the governor, Kate Brown, had demanded that the Department of Homeland Security withdraw their law enforcement officers that were protecting the Hatfield Courthouse. And in return for doing that, she sent the Oregon State Police in to uh, protect it. The, to their credit, the Oregon State Police moved in and started making arrests, arrested 500 of these rioters, which prompted the rioters then to go into the neighborhoods and start attacking, uh, you know, residential homes with families inside. Well, now, uh, as a result of the George Soros-funded district attorney in Monmouth County, the Oregon State Police has decided to withdraw because he's he's not going to prosecute those 500 Riders that the Oregon State Police arrested. He's well. I shouldn't say he's not going to prosecute any of them. He's going to prosecute fifty of them. Less than ten percent of these riders, that many of which were uh, arrested on felony charges. And so, you know, we're back to, I think it's day seventy-eight today, of these ongoing riots. And uh, the question is whether or not there are enough. Uh, Department of Homeland Security troops to continue to to protect this courthouse. It looks for all the world like the governor of Oregon and the mayor of Portland are uh, colluding with the new Soros-funded DA and the rioters in the streets to burn this damn courthouse to the ground. They are now reneging on their pledge to protect the courthouse i don't know how many of uh, those dhs personnel that were kept on hand in the area for the event that something like this happens, but you can bet it being a friday night that there is going to be a big assault on that courthouse once again the black lives matter rioters have uh have decided that uh, the looting is a, is not a bug of these protests. It's a, actually a feature, and it's their way of seizing reparations.
4: I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That makes sure that that person can make some kind of money because this city obviously doesn't care about that.
2: That is Ariel Atkins, Black Lives Matter leader for Chicago, Here's a clip of the latest tactic of Black Lives Matter. They're demanding that uh, white people that have moved into uh, the big cities after all of the violence in the 1960s prompted white flight. Well, these, these white hipsters that have moved in and gentrified these neighborhoods, well, they need to give up their homes to the Black Lives Matter activists.
4: Do you know that? Do you know that before your white ass came here, this was all black people? Yo, white ass. Do you know that? Do you know
2: that? Well, it was all white people before uh, the crime in the 60s and 70s prompted them to move out.
3: Do you know people like you came in here and basically
4: bought all the land from the black people for less than what it was worth, kicked them out so you could live here? Do you know that? Do you know that? Yes. Because if you
1: don't, now yeah, you fucking do. Now do something
2: about it. Yeah. Well, I wonder what they want him to do. But what, what does he want them to do about it?
1: See, that's why your mom your <laughs> so bad? Is
4: your name tougher or not? Whichever one is, give up your house. Get black people back their home, They're sitting there comfortably.
2: You need to give up your home, give it back to black people and move out of this neighborhood. So everything I was telling you about the ethnic cleansing going on in our big cities. Well, there it is right there. They want another white flight. They want housing values to plummet so that they can move back into these rebuilt neighborhoods and take them over. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network.
0: This episode is sponsored by Schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more.
2: And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Well, Americans are being forced to face the reality that there's an organized, violent, and well-funded Marxist insurgency raging in our streets. And that our nation's founding principles and its history are under sustained assault. Amid a pandemic unleashed on us by communist China... And with a presidential election looming on the horizon, patriots are understandably anxious about the nation's survival. To discuss his excellent column in Today's American Thinker, titled Crushing the Barbarians Inside the Gates, we're joined now by Scott Powell. He's a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute, which is based in Seattle, and dedicated to the renaissance of Western civilization and for free markets. You can find them online at discovery.org. That's discovery.org. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Jim. So, in your column, you write about the Frankfurt School and its long march uh, through our American institutions. Tell us about the Frankfurt School. What is it, and what is its role in the unrest we're witnessing today?
4: Well, the Frankfurt School is the sort of the core of cultural mar- Marxism. Cultural Marxism really began with the Frankfurt School, and it's a neo, it was a neo-Marxist organization, and it emphasized breaking down civilization through attitudinal and cultural change, rather than focusing on the redistribution of wealth, which is really the project of Karl Marx. And what they did was they incorporated Marxist class theory into sociology and psychology and assimilated Freud's theories on sexuality. Thus, Marx's dialectical theory of perpetual conflict was joined to Freud's neurotic ideas, creating a sort of Freudian Marxism. Their stated goal was a total transformation of society by smashing traditional norms such as monogamous relations in the traditional family, accomplished by legitimizing unhinged sexual permissiveness with no cultural or religious restraint. And we all know that the sexual revolution that began in the 1960s and 70s has had an enormous effect on America today.
2: Well, it's led to the degeneration of the American family. Uh, But, you know, I know the Frankfurt School came from Germany after World War II, set up shop in uh, our major universities, including Columbia and Princeton and and out in Berkeley. But if these people were dedicated Marxists and they moved to a country that was very prosperous economically, why did they decide to go at uh, installing Marxism in this country – to a cultural rather than economic model.
4: Well, I think being dedicated to the Marxist project, uh, that is the overthrow of traditional bourgeois democratic societies, coming to America meant that, that they intended to carry that out. It's very hard to know much about their intentions. We can never know those things. But the left, whether it's you know the traditional Marxist or it's the cultural Marxist, this is a surrogate religion. And as such, the people that buy into the surrogate religion are dedicated to carrying out the end game of that religion. And the end game of that religion is to destroy Christianity, destroy the United States. Destroy democracy and establish the ultimate surrogate secular, progressive, totalitarian type regime where these people are at the top of the food chain, that they have the wisdom and the ability to reorganize the socialist state.
2: Well, you're kind of talking about the the godless communism that uh rose in the Soviet Union and communist china, the ideology that led to the slaughter and the the killing of over a hundred million people in the last century. Why has Marxism not been thoroughly discredited by history, and how has it taken root so deeply in the in the imagination of um our younger generations?
4: Well, because they're not being taught history. If people were being taught the facts of history, Marxism would have no no foundation. It would not have the power or the influence that it does. But because because the facts of the Marxist history are all covered up, ignored, denied, uh, then Marxism can continue to you know to exist, and the Marxists can spin their webs. Remember what they're after. Is total power, and they don't really care. They haven't really thought out how they're going to build their utopian state. Most Marxists are really not utopians; they're power-hungry people. And this and the Frankfurt School was full of those people. They were different than the street Marxists, than the you know the the Leninist Stalinist communist party type marxists these were sophisticated intellectuals who were above everybody else they had the answers
2: you know, I've, I've always thought it was uh, very interesting that black lives matter and antifa who uh, both declare to be uh, you know so anti-racist have taken up the policies of karl marx if you read karl marx in his history he was a deeply racist a uh, person who uh, regularly disparaged anybody that uh, that disagreed with him by uh, saying that they had African uh, genetics, and you know, using the n word, and and all of that. Um, are the are the cultural Marxists in the Frankfurt School? Were they uh, adherence to Karl Marx, or were they more using his ideology in order to uh, to pursue? Um, a more perverse and um, and destructive ideology?
4: I think it's the latter, Jim. I think it's the latter. These people, for these people, there is no absolute truth. None at all. Truth is what they create. It's what they make. So just like Saul Alinsky, his rules of radicals, Be summarized in that the ends justify the means, which, by the way, Saul Alinsky is now embraced by the Democrat Party in America today. The ends justify the means. There is no absolute truth. There is no law and order based on a constitution. There might be, but they don't subscribe to it because the ends justify the means.
2: Well, that's and this the. Uh, is, this that's is old, true for all Marxists. That's cultural Marxists, and by and any, means Marxists. And, uh, any means necessary, yep. and any means necessary. Yeah, and there's um, there's uh, a city council member out in Denver, Colorado. She is a self-declared Marxist that was elected to city council. Uh, she came in with the stated intention of uh, unseating the, the uh, economic order out there, and uh, she's using that term by any means necessary. Right there in Seattle, where the uh, the Discovery Institute is based, you've got this city councilwoman, uh, uh, Car- Carisha, I think her name, Charisma, who's uh, using revolutionary language like this.
3: I have a message for Jeff Bezos and his class. If you attempt again to overturn the Amazon tax, working people will go all out in the thousands to defeat you. And we will not stop there, because you see, we are fighting for far more than this tax. We are preparing the ground for a different kind of society. And if you, Jeff Bezos, want to drive that process forward by lashing out against us in our modest demands, then so be it, because we are coming for you and your rotten system
2: so these uh these marxists that have installed themselves uh, in government now are using the language of revolution and you wonder why the corporate class in the united states is throwing money at these organizations hand over fist do you think that jeff bezos and the other billionaires just think that the marxists will come after them last if they uh, if they feed the monster
4: I think they're trying to buy time. They're trying to buy them off. I mean, this is not new. Uh, Jesse Jackson did this to corporate America, you know, two or three decades ago where you, you threaten them and they'll pay you off. So that's, what's going on with high tech, you know, donating and supporting black lives matter. It's not really clear that they, some of them actually buy into it. They buy into a socialist future, many buy into it in the tech sector. Bezos, he's a harder one to pin down. I mean, you know, he started out more as a libertarian, but since he's been so successful and he's the wealthiest man in the world, he's corrupted. And so I think he's, I think he thinks that a controlled society where he can know everything about consumers is what he wants. He's established it, you know, and he's profited tremendously the covid-19 shutdown has helped amazon enormously so you you have to wonder did all these things just happen by chance or is there a force at work almost a conspiracy to accelerate this division in our country between the super rich and the poor and the ultimate consolidation of power by the, by the super rich elite. And they don't really care that they they don't really care what you call it. They're in charge. They're in control. They control all of our lives.
2: And, uh, well, I'm not averse to be being called a conspiracy theorist myself. I think that the, the Wuhan virus was purposely spread throughout the world. If you looked at the rise of the virus in Wuhan, China, the communist Chinese dictators locked down Wuhan for internal travel but continued to allow tens of thousands of uh, citizens to fly internationally, and the number one destination was in the United States. Yes. And then yes. it's quite clear to me at least that the Democrat Party did weaponize the virus in order to to try to win this upcoming election, and, uh, and I don't think that all of the violence that we see in the streets is uh, just – sheer coincidence either uh this was said to be the result of the 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 death of george floyd a career criminal who had lethal levels of fentanyl in his system when he died and yet um it has sparked across this nation literally millions of people to pour in the streets many of them uh, committing violence and and destruction so uh,
4: let's go let's go back to the theme of a surrogate religion So, if you were trying to create a surrogate religion, what would it look like? Uh, who who would be, you know, who would be your messiah of a sur- of this ultimate surrogate religion? Well, it would of course it would be Lucifer, right? The the uh, the the angel, you know, the most intelligent of the angels, uh, who fell and became Satan. So, the surrogate religion that we're dealing with is this very sort of thing. These are very smart people at that are making decisions, that are that are conspiring. And it's not too hard to connect the dots of what's happened in America. It's not too hard to imagine that that after you demoralize the United States, particularly the you know, the Gen X and the millennial generation, by, you know, forty, fifty years of 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 programming, if you will, of brainwashing through the public school system that denigrates the United States, that disparages our history, that introduces all kinds of secular progressive things, Uh, you know, starting out with, uh, with a sexual revolution, but then, you know, morphing into homosexuality and transgenderism and that there really is no reality. There's no facts of life. There's no biological facts of life. You can be whatever you want to be. The sort of ultimate deconstructionism has been going on now for so many years. And and these generations, these young people are largely brainwashed. They can no longer think critically. There is no absolute truth or absolute reality. So everything was prepared for this, right? You have a you have a vulnerable vast population and you're waiting for the right circumstances to execute the end game master plan.
2: Well, George You got Freud. it. You got George it George Floyd. It's well, always it the, amazed me that well, if, the, if they were the really the
4: COVID situation happened exactly, first, George yeah. George Floyd was, you know, was killed on what March, I think May 25 was the actual date. But everything was set up for that.
2: And then they were so, looking for the spark. That that was the spark. You know, it yeah. always amazed me that Black Lives Matter picked the worst possible examples of police brutality in order to achieve their mission. Uh, you know, first it was uh, Michael Brown, who was he had just committed a, a robbery and tried to take a police officer's weapon. And now we've got George Floyd, who... Uh, but but don't, uh, Jim. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. But you know, it well, seems to me that they they none pick of that matters. They pick these, the most degenerate it, examples. It doesn't
4: matter. They know they can dominate the narrative. They've been doing it,
2: so it doesn't matter that these are bad actors. It, <laughs> that, as a matter of fact, it might help because it further yeah, it, might it, help, it, it further right, degenerates it. It lower completely lowers the exactly. bar on anything, it, every, every, any sort
4: you know, of standard. It's beyond it's beyond moral relativism, you know. There it's, really is it's, no. It's immoral relativism. <laughs> yes, and and bad actors can
2: be made heroes. Right, and they are. George it's, Floyd was made a hero. He was made a deity. It was uh, literally people are bowing. You have professional athletes on both of their knees with their head down, bowing in submission to this Black Lives Matter movement than this whole narrative had been put together around a degenerate career criminal. Well, it, it
4: was put together after Trayvon Martin, the Black Lives Matter, came into being. But they, they have, you know, you're right. Every one of the incidents of so-called police brutality or, or uh, you know, improper uh, improper arrests or improper use of police force going back to ferguson missouri each one of these was sort of a trial run for the end game which we're in now and they could they they know they've already tried it they've experimented they've seen the reaction they've seen what they can do it doesn't matter that
2: george floyd was a criminal <laughs> no problem scott we need to run out to a break can you stick with us uh, till we come yes. back stand by yes.
1: I, I don't believe that our current economic system actually works. Um,
4: capitalism by design is extractive, and in order to generate profit in a capitalist system, something has to be exploited. That's land, labor, or resources. And I think that we're in late-phase capitalism, and we know it doesn't work, and we've got to move into something new. And I believe in community ownership of land, labor, resources, and distribution of those resources. And so, whatever the that morphs into i think is what will serve community the best and i'm excited to usher it in it by any means necessary
2: by any means necessary the communists are basically telling you uh, w- with the mask off that they right. intend on fomenting a uh, marxist revolution in this country and yet the democrat party's two main uh, or uh, presidential ticket Cannot stir themselves to say one ill word about Black Lives Matter or Antifa. I think um, Kamala Harris referred to it in her acceptance speech as uh, the vice presidential nominee as a conscience, a, a crisis of consciousness in our streets. We're talking to <clears throat> we're talking to Scott Powell with the Discovery Institute about the rise of Marxism in our nation and where we're at and whether or not. The tide can be turned against the barbarians inside the gate. Scott, where do we go from here? How do we fight back against this? We seem to have lost a couple of generations, and we're going to have to turn that around if we hope for this nation to have a future.
4: Yes. Well, addressing the issue of, of, of BLM, Black Lives Matter, they don't even try to hide that its leaders are Marxist, And, and they've become a paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party. They've received millions of dollars through the ACT Blue online fundraising interface. And that's the same portal that's used by the Democrat Party. Now I don't know that anyone's done any forensic accounting uh auditing, but uh the 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 odds are high that money that has been shaken down from corporate America
2: um uh, it's a straight flow through. Act Blue decides where that money is going to go. They uh, raise it I, I uh, because so. of certain causes, and it's a it's a direct right. flow through. I'm sure they're paying these uh, these Marxist organizers quite well. But it's not just millions of dollars. It's tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars, that have been raised around this um, this Black Lives movement uh, after George Floyd, and uh, that may be the reason they're so reluctant to say anything negative.
4: I believe so. I think that that has a lot to do with it, and they they think that this they they've tried everything else. Remember, they are desperate. They are desperate to remove Donald Trump. They tried the 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 failed coup, the you know the the uh, Russian hoax, and then the impeachment. Right? Remember, the the impeachment proceedings ended. I believe they ended in early february when when
2: did covid unfold oh early yeah, february was, well just a few, was, just a few days prior to it, uh, the the vote on impeachment uh, the the wuhan virus was arriving on our shores
4: right right so you know this, this is sort of their last you know this is the last you know effort this is they're desperate to remove donald trump and they think that they through this you know violence destruction looting that these riots in the street can be spun in such a way that it can be used against donald trump now some if if you look carefully at the signs that many of the protesters carry a frequent theme is no justice, no peace. You'll see signs in every demonstration. No justice, no peace. What, what is that saying? Depends on what your
2: definition of justice is.
4: Right. It's their justice. The, the point is that these are rioters that are saying, if you want this to end, you've got to get rid of Donald Trump. And there, I believe- will be no, there will be no peace unless the social justice... Of removing Donald Trump, and installing the alternative, electing the alternative. Capitulation. Yep, that's these people are in the business of not just shakedowns; they are extortionists. They are uh, they give ultimatums. You notice that most every everything they do is just antithetical. To the to the tradition and the heritage of our country
2: they didn't ask where their it, statues could be taken down they just right. pulled them down they didn't that's right. they didn't ask anybody's permission they told us at first that it was about uh the Confederacy but they moved on very quickly to religious uh saints and and other what, what, foundational uh, people in our history
4: and if that doesn't reveal who they are I don't know what is you know they want to destroy America. They want to destroy our heritage, our history, because they can't create the utopian socialist state without first destroying the system that we have and the traditions that we have.
2: Well, I think their um, their coercion, their uh, their extortion, is being targeted directly at the so-called. Uh, suburban soccer moms who who they think will be um, you know most vulnerable to this sort of uh, extortion but in the short time we've got left I want to ask you uh, you know if we don't turn this around for the generations coming up then the nation's lost so how do we go about reversing the tide of the uh, entrenched Marxist ideology in our universities, and now even in our K through twelve education.
4: Well, I'd start out first by saying we have to build a we, we have to build a um, solidarity with each other uh, based on Judeo Christian principles. So we we need to do we, we need to be very prayerful because we need God's help in this project. There's no doubt about that. So I start with, you know, with prayer.
2: But, you know, and, Scott, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's hard to uh, wonder how we're going to appeal to God when we've become such a degenerate culture. You can only look at what's going on in the street and realize that well, you, God is not happy you, at all with us. Look, if,
4: if, you've, if you've read Scripture, you know the story a lot. And if you could find a few righteous people— uh, God God w- would um, not destroy that land. God started a great work in America from the very beginning. God has not abandoned this country, and we need to recognize well, that. My worry I, is
2: that we have abandoned God.
4: Well, many of us have, but you haven't, I haven't, and we all know lots of people who haven't. So God is God wants to spare this country, but he is saying to us, that you've got to make, you've got, you, you've you've got to face up uh, to your failures. You've got to repent, and you've got to, and you've got to change your ways. So, to to get to the specifics of what we do, each one of us is an ambassador and a missionary with all all, all the people around us, and we have to do our best to to educate those who are educatable. Uh, this is the end game. The vote in November is critical. We need to get out the vote in such a way that we've never done before. So we start there. If, if we can, you know, if, if we can uh, hold on to the White House, and wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have a, uh, a Republican House as well as, as preserving the Senate that would give us the opportunity to do a, for for Trump, and people around him to do a lot, um,
2: and it won't. It, what is the story in the Bible where God sent the imperfect messenger uh, to to try to save the people? I think uh, Donald Trump is a, a very flawed messenger, and, and I wonder if uh, God's hand is not at work there.
4: It's absolutely at work there. How do you why do you think he was why do you think he was allowed to be elected? God allowed that to happen.
2: He seems—he seems like a very improbable savior, uh, national yeah, savior, I should say. I disagree with you.
4: What do we need right now? What's lacking? What is lacking in our in our culture, in our demoralized culture? What's lacking is is courage, is single mindedness and focus, and a willingness to fight. Donald Trump is a fighter. We've
1: well, never seen a
4: leader like him in the Oval Office, and that's what's needed because that's what the times require. Donald Trump was allowed to be elected because he was the right to- right man
2: for the times in which we live. Scott Powell, senior fellow at the Discovery Institute. You can find them online at discovery.org. Scott, thanks for joining us. I hope you come All back right. again. Thank you, Jim. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow on the Mojo 5
1: If you have thyroid eye disease and the pain in the back of your eye is forcing bad words
0: from your mouth, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com.